As we begin the last couple of weeks of Lent, I am thinking about sacrifice, and when I think about sacrifice, I eventually begin thinking about martyrdom. But in a special way, this week because of two modern-day martyrs whose anniversaries are this month. Father Rutilio Grande, a Jesuit priest who was murdered in El Salvador on March 12, 1977, and his friend and Archbishop, Monsignor Oscar Romero, who was assassinated while celebrating Mass on March 24, 1980. They are but two of the dozens of priests who were killed during El Salvador's civil war. But after 35 years of delays with Romero's beatification, the Vatican could not figure out if he was in fact associated with leftist political views, he was beatified in 2015. And now, after confirming a miracle attributed to Romero's intercession, the Vatican has announced that he will be canonized this year. At his beatification, Pope Francis declared Monsignor Romero a model of peace and forgiveness and called him a martyr of the poor. Two weeks before he was killed, Archbishop Romero said, I have frequently been threatened with death. If they kill me, I shall rise again in the Salvadorian people. Now, 38 years after his death, he has indeed risen in the Salvadorian people, but not just in them, as he is a saint for the whole world. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I am Billy Chan. And here we are once again, all-new program. We've had a few repeats in the last <laughs> couple of weeks because I've been away. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just kind of what's going to happen. We miss you. Unless Emily and Billy want to host the show without me. We want, but... Cheers, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> you want, but you won't <laughs> let us. I want. <laughs> um, you, you can do that. Um, but but yeah, um, what's the first thing we always tell people when we start the show? To write to us. <laughs> Good, yeah. Nice. Write to us, write to us, write to us. Because we're lonely. Yes. I want to. We're lonely and <laughs> Always nobody... want to have feedback. Yeah, so yeah. feedback and, uh, you know, you can you can write to us. There's email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. There's Facebook. There's Twitter. Each one of us has our own Twitter handle. Um, you can also go to our website and there's a handy-dandy little button there that says... I don't know what voicemail. voicemail and you click on it and if you have a microphone on your computer your laptop you can just record and and it's an audio recording and 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 we can listen to it and if it's good we will play it on the show like we did last time um so lots of ways to get a hold of us um today we're going to have a regular ordinary time show even though it's lent <laughs> it's an ordinary time show we got news with emily you got some 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 headlines that you need to tell us yeah, about well, uh, without telling us the news i know right i got to i got to do it do it well this week um yeah so uh, pope francis celebrated an important anniversary yeah. uh, this yes, week yes 5 years um, also some news out of india a little bit more sad news um something happened in toronto as well uh, by something happened it was just a special visit that okay. that uh, the archdiocese received yes. um and well as of monday march 19th a really big important gathering is happening in rome oh and you're going to tell us all about it yes. in about five minutes or so yes. and then we get to talk to billy about conf- a question a confession you, you want to make a confession no i want to talk about confession you want to talk about the sacrament of reconciliation yeah but i do not want to talk about like you know very theologically i want to talk about you know the feeling you know um, 
uh, how to do a good confession. Okay, and, how to make a good confession. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to ask me that and I have to give you the right answer? Of course. Okay, I'm really going to rely on our <laughs> listeners. This is how we get our listeners to write to us. Because I, if I say anything wrong... You're never wrong. Well, I don't know. I should know how to make a good confession. Maybe Emily should stick stick around because yes. she knows how to do a good confession. Yeah, she always do confession. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, or we I, can... have, I have to go off and that's <laughs> Yeah, right. Anyway, okay. So that's coming up with Billy: how to make a good confession in church for dummies. And oh, so here's the question of the week, uh, guys: What do Superman, Luke Skywalker, and Jesus have in common? Um, they all have lightsabers. No, because Superman. Superman doesn't. doesn't have, Jesus I know, doesn't have a lightsaber. I know. Don't worry. They're I know my. I knew. I know my superheroes. They're all men. <laughs> They're all men. Yes. Yeah, Very good. Oh, I... that's probably not a good thing. They all <laughs> save the world. They. Um. Luke. Oh, kind of. Well. They all intend from to evil. save the world. They all fight evil. They all, they all intend evil. to save the world. Maybe we shouldn't um, have said Superman. I should have said like Wonder Woman. So that at least we have some women in there. Um, so that's um, it. Um, they're, they're, they um, save the world. They have special powers. Well, usually they're good people. They're I mean, good Jesus people. is more than just a good person. Yeah, he's God. Uh-huh. He's God. Okay. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, would yeah, you? That's, that's it. That's it. That's it. No. Uh, I, well, first of all, I was not born yet. I mean, when I you, you were know, not shop bo- Superman and. Okay, have you guys... You've I've, watched Star Wars? Of course. Yes, but I was so not So Superman yet. and Luke Skywalker, they're like the chosen ones, yeah. no? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is Luke not the... Like Harry Potter, he's the chosen one? Yes. The boy who lived? But Superman, he's the chosen one? He's not the chosen one? He... Kal-El, no, he, he's the only one who survives the destruction of his planet? You know, I was not born yet. That's why I said that. You haven't watched Superman? <laughs> well, all of, all of these superheroes, it's kind of like if they're not... You know, if they don't live up to their call, ah. right? Huh. Then, Ooh, then good. bad happens. So that's more. That's like I would say that the comparison then is not with Jesus, but no, with all but of with us. All of us. <laughs> with all of us, because we're all called to live up to our calling. True. Otherwise, bad things happen. <laughs> and then we have to go to confession, which which is why we're going to talk about going to confession after. So I'm a Superman, then I need to go to confession. No, seriously, like like or like you, or like Frodo and the Lord of the Rings. He could. He's be, like a reluctant. Oh. He's the chosen one. He's the chosen one, and he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, you could argue. What was the TV series with Superman? Pleasantville? No. Um, not Pleasantville. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, um, I used to watch it. Anyway, yeah, so he grows up super, and, and all the time that Superman is a teenager in this TV show, yes. he's struggling with the fact that he's got all these special powers, but he's trying not to be who he who he is, mm-hmm. right? And isn't that the same with us and sainthood? Yes. That we're trying to not be, because being a saint is like, oh, Billy's making a face. <laughs> It comes with great <laughs> no, responsibility. When you, compare, when you compare to sainthood, it's about... It's different. It yeah. sounds like I do not have enough talent to be a saint. It sounds like that. That's, I mean, you well, know... But that doesn't know... Isn't that what people say? But like, who Superman, am I to be a saint? he has the, you know, the power already. You, do you understand okay. what I was talking about? But so do you. You have the power to be a saint. You, you think so. I th- I know yeah. so. Okay, thank you. All baptized Catholics. Yeah, by virtue. There you go. Wow, by that sounds like baptism. Anyway, that is totally not the conversation no, not that I was going to have because the comparison <laughs> is not with Sorry, Saint. Fedra, no, but yeah. that's good because the comparison is with with Christ mm-hmm. and Christ figures in science fiction and superhero films, and you could argue that every single superhero or even characters in science fiction have kind of Christ. Like like qualities features. or features mm-hmm. or something. And there's a book uh, written by uh, Jim Papandrea 
called From Star Wars to Superman, Christ Figures in Science Fiction and Superhero Films. And we're going to be talking to Jim in about 25 minutes or so. Um, about this very topic. Sacrifice. Sacrifice would be another. Sacrifice would be one, yeah. Another yeah, a lot of them have figure. to sacrifice, you know? Like, yeah. The, you I mean, know. Luke Skywalker, well. Well, they have to make sacrifices. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they fail at making sacrifice. I know we know Anakin did. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue that Anakin was the chosen one and he went to the dark side. Oh, lots of good conversations here. <laughs> so, From Star Wars to Superman, Christ Figures in Science Fiction and Superhero Films by James Papandrea. We're going to be talking to uh, Jim in a little bit. And then I'm going to, we're going to end the show by talking to, so you guys have heard about Laudato Si. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So the, of course. The, 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 the social encyclical about mm-hmm. the care for our common home. Um, it has inspired a lot of people, I think, to do lots of great things. Do you know that it is also inspired music? Oh. Yeah, I know. That was my response, too. <laughs> it's inspired music. So there's these songs for liturgy and prayer inspired by Laudato Si, album called Our Common Home. And it's a collaboration of some of your most beloved liturgical composers like Michael Jonkis and Rick, Ricky Manalo and Bob Hurd. And Bob Hurd is the liturgical composer who had the idea. So Bob's going to join us at the end of the program uh, to talk to us about this wonderful collaboration called Our Common Home, Songs for Liturgy and Prayer, inspired by Laudato Si. And that's going to be in about 45 minutes or so. So, unless you guys have something else to add to this spectacular conversation, which you don't, um, (laughs) we're going to listen to a song from this album, Our Common Home, um, here's Curtis, Curtis Steven that I'm sure you've heard about. He's been on this program. He's one of the collaborators on the, pro, on the album. Here's Curtis Steven with Tend the Ground from Our Common Home, published by Oregon Catholic Press. We till the earth, we tend the ground, sowing hope and peace where none is found. In selfless love, God's life abounds. We till the earth, we tend the ground. We till the earth, we tend the ground. Sowing hope and peace where none is found. In selfless
That was Curtis Stephen with Tend the Ground from Our Common Home, published by Oregon Catholic Press. And we're going to be speaking with Bob Hurd, who collaborated on that album in about 30 minutes. But first, Emily is still here with our news. Yes, exactly. So I was saying that Pope Francis celebrated an important anniversary yes. this week. It was the fifth year anniversary of his election uh-huh. um, as, as Pope. As Pope. Um, so, um, so on March 13, 2013, uh, he was elected. He became the first... Latin Latin American American Pope, Pope, um, as well as the first Jesuit to become Pope. So a lot of firsts for Pope Francis. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's so much that could be said about Pope Francis. Not really the time to do it now. Um, But uh, if you want to maybe just keep him in your prayers this week or for the rest of the year, for his fifth year, (laughs) keep him in your prayers all the time. Yes. Very important. Very important. Happy Um, anniversary, Pope Francis. Yes, exactly. Now, I was also saying that uh, in India, a piece of sadder news, Mm -hmm. um, Hindu extremists um, are suspected of destroying a Catholic mission hospital. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, on March 12th, about 60 people basically just bulldozered um, through uh, a wall. They blocked the emergency exit. They destroyed uh, equipment and some of the power generators. So um, a lot of patients were in grave danger and even people who were um, in intensive care units. So um, essentially what's happening right now is that uh, we think that – this was done over uh, a legal battle that's happening over land. So mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the the church is accused of illegally occupying a piece of land. And so uh, the pro-Hindu uh, party, which is running the state government... Um, Yes, is the one is the one accusing the church of doing this. So, they've this have been this has been happening since since January, and um, still no resolution has been found for for this situation. Um, there's mm-hmm. um, a uh, an organization called Persecution Relief, which records persecution in Christians uh, of Christians in India, and they're saying that the inc- the attacks against Christians have increased since this party came into power in 2014 mm-hmm. and in 2017 they reported 736 attacks uh, against wow. Christians which is actually double um, what it was the year before wow. so yeah so again another um, we can also pray yeah, for, Christians for Christians in, in, in India. India yeah absolutely um, in Toronto so um, this past week the prefect for the congregation of divine worship uh-huh. and the sacraments cardinal robert sara yes. was visiting the archdiocese and um, he gave a talk uh, his visit culminated to this you know at this this talk that he gave at st michael's cathedral about 1200 people were there yeah. and he spoke on on silence so a very simple theme it would seem but essentially he was warning against filling our days with constant distractions at technology and um, and saying that freedom and self-knowledge and a deeper life in Christ can mm-hmm. only be found when we retreat from the noise uh, of the world and we and we take time to to just be quiet. Right. So um, before this talk, Vespers um, were also um, prayed and led by uh, Colonel Thomas Collins right. of Toronto. So and after the talk, did they hold silence? I, I'm not sure, no, Pedro. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Anyway, it's a good good topic for Lent. Yes, Silence. exactly. Thank you. Now, okay, and next week, well, yeah. in a couple days. Yeah. So from What's March, happening, Emily? What are you doing next week? I know. So I get to go to Rome next week, Pedro, yeah. um, because 300 young people from around the world are going to be in Rome for uh, what 
is being called the pre a pre synodal meeting. Yes. Basically, a preparation for the synod of, synod of bishops happening in October 2018 yes. on young people, the faith, and vocational discernment. So we've yeah. talked a lot about this yes. already on the show, but uh, between March 19th and March 25th, these young people are going to be uh, meeting and discussing uh, about 15 questions, actually, they're going to be talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, various concerns and hopes that young people have today and writing a uh, a document that Mm -hmm. will be submitted to the Senate of Bishops. Uh, It'll be incorporated in their working document, which is used uh, during their their own deliberations uh, at the Senate. So, so, so again, this is is a first. Uh, Pope Francis announced the pre-synod back in October. And uh, yeah, and so I'm very excited about this. Yeah, of course, because you are one of those young people. And uh, I'm excited too, because as you said, it's a first. That Mm -hmm. it's not just a bunch of bishops talking about something, but young people are going to be the ones talking. And hopefully the church is listening and that will inform the synod in October. So that'll exactly. be very cool. And you'll be in Rome for Palm Sunday. Exactly. Very so nice. the event finishes on Palm Sunday mm-hmm. with Mass uh, at the Vatican okay, with very Pope Francis. Good. So next week we will get you on the phone at some point so you can tell us how it's going. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Emily Callan, our future Rome correspondent <laughs> um, for the Salt and Light Hour. Um, Emily, you can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hi, this is Ben Walther. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. All our programs are archived there. Now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hello, Pedro. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. Always good to have you. What's good in Hollywood? So, two things I want to talk about today. One is a a film called The Dating Project. Oh, yeah? uh, That will be releasing April 17th. Yeah. Have you heard about this yet? Yes, I have, actually. I'm very excited. Uh, Yeah. So, it's it's a documentary that's examining the state of dating, you know, in America right now. Um, it's actually produced uh, by a couple friends of mine, Megan Harrington and Catherine Fowler. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it looks, it looks, yeah, basically across all demographics of, of what the current dating culture is. Um, a few things that I, I've already seen a screening of this. Some things that kind of really surprised me is I didn't realize how entrenched the whole kind of college hookup culture mm-hmm. is. I mean, I knew hooking up was a thing, but I didn't realize how much of a thing it is. Right. Um, and that's, uh, that's kind of a little scary. Um, and they actually show there's kind of a really interesting uh, sort of sub-segment plot going through. It's that features Professor Carrie Cronin, and she's a philosopher, philosophy professor at Boston College. Yeah. And she actually has an assignment where her students have to go on a date. Right. And uh, it's, it's really fascinating watching this thing. It's like, you know, there's certain rules. It's like you have to ask in person. They have to know it's a date. It uh, has to be 60 to 90 minutes. Um, you know, the person who asks has to pay. And all these students, you know, like, it's, it's funny. They're like who are used to kind of just hooking up with right. whatever, you know, no strings attached. They're like, ooh, a date. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm really nervous about that. Do I ask them? Do I not? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
I, I think they do a fantastic job of just examining, you know, what what has become of dating and its influence on the family and our, and our culture. Mm-hmm. So, um, That's interesting. I've heard I've heard of her class, and it's like the dating class, and it's one of the most popular classes in, in Boston College. Even though kids don't know how to date, you have to yeah, take a university yeah, class to learn how to date. And she, yeah, and she gives like I think an annual talk campus wide the day before Valentine's Day on dating too, and it's like most attended you know talk I think on right. campus throughout the year. So. Right. Um, yeah. It, it, interesting side note. Uh, uh-huh. I was actually supposed to be interviewed as uh, one of the people on the street in this video, but <laughs> I was cut. You know, so I'm not bitter or anything. Not bitter at all, really. You're not dating material. I, well, in truth, I'm really not a man on the street. I'm sort of, you know, too close to these kinds of things. Yeah. So it probably came off as unauthentic. So honestly, right. I'm not surprised. That's okay. Um, That's okay. Interesting real side story about it is that the producer, Catherine Fowler, is, uh, while she was doing research for the film, she kind of said, hey, you know, if I'm researching dating, I guess you try, I should try all these ways that everyone's doing it, including online. Uh-huh. Uh, and she actually ended up meeting her husband that What? Way. And yeah. That's hilarious. Isn't that, isn't, Isn't that an interesting story? Yeah, that's great. So she's doing a documentary about dating. She starts dating and she gets married. I love it. She gets married. That's good. So that's a good... uh, Okay, so that's April 17th. You said it's coming out. It's like one one day screening all over the United States. I do not believe it includes Canada. It's only in the United States, but people can go to the website. I think that's what I've heard as as well, too. But but yeah, check it out. You'll be probably hearing more through through various, you know, perhaps uh, Christian circles. Yeah. I'll go see a screening if you can. Yeah, we're actually hoping to, to do an interview with uh, Megan Harrington um, um, in the coming weeks so that, that we can get a little more information about that. And you wanted to tell yeah, us about cool. something else? Is another film in development? Yeah, so this is, this is in the really early stages of development. It's sort of AKA development hell, as I yeah, about yeah. Uh, It's a film called uh, just Roe v. Wade. Oh. And it's a true-to-life uh, origin story of Planned Parenthood. And interestingly enough, this is a story that's never been told on film before. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you, if, you know, not everyone knows this, but if you go into, you know, the founding of Planned Parenthood, which was founded by uh, Margaret Sanger, yeah. like it was originally called the Negro Project wow. and was focused on minorities. And mm-hmm. so this is, a, a, you know, coming out with this kind of stuff is not going to be politically very No, popular. not at all. They've already got John Voight, Steve Baldwin attached. Oh, good. Um, and then also there's a, a new uh, Catholic organization called New Ethos Entertainment who seek to make films of truth okay. and beauty uh, yeah. who are also helping promote this film. Okay, as well too. good. So we, we hope to hear more about that in the coming, I was going to say coming months, but it's probably going to be coming years since you said it's in, in, in development mm, hell. True. Um, oh, yeah. Pray. Pray. Pray for this. Something to pray for for Hollywood, for the Roe v. Wade movie. There is a website, right? Roe. I think it's rovwademovie.com. Right. Um, and uh, we'll, uh, it's a good story, and, some, and Hollywood does not shy away from good stories, even if they're controversial. So hopefully um, it'll, it'll get made. Thank you, Mark. Those are two good news stories of Hollywood, and uh, thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely. Pleasure being here. There you have it. That's what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at HU Missionary. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Noonan, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. 
If you want to contact us, email radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook. Also Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM or direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan. Billy, I'm, I'm actually nervous. Why? Because when I go to confession, I get nervous. And <laughs> Now you're not doing confession. And this is going to be like confession. No, but you know, the question is this. That's why I want to ask. Um, a lot of people among us, we have, we are stressful. When yeah. we go to confession, we, we are nervous as you. Somebody's very scared. They yes. do not know what to do. Um, it's not about the process anymore. It's about right. Uh, what should I say, and will the priest remember what I said, and will he come and uh, tell anyone else? Things like that. So, I think you know if we can use this like four or five minutes to calm us down, you yes. know, and encourage us, you know, to go to do confession. That will be uh, the best. How to, you know. How do you calm uh, ourselves down? I would I would say that the first thing, and again, you guys are probably used to my my answers for Church for Dummies that maybe are not the answers that people are looking for, and and that's why I rely on our our listeners uh-huh. to 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 write in because not not to say that what I'm going to tell you is wrong, but I think that the that the most important thing that you need to remember is that this is not it's not an exam, okay? When we go to confession. Yeah, there's a formula, but if you don't get the formula wrong, uh-huh. if you don't get it right, right it's not the end, you're not going to fail the exam because you forgot to say, "Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned." It's been six months since my last confession. Like Twenty you can years. Ju- yeah, you can just <laughs> sit there and and tell the priest, "Hi, my name is Billy. I'm I, I I'm actually really nervous. I don't even remember when I last went to confession. Yeah. I don't even know how to make a confession." And the priest is going to help you. Okay. Right? How to make the so so. Whether you do it following the formula or you don't or you can't remember, uh, it, it's not. So it's, it's, okay. it's not about that. Of course, it's okay. Okay. It's like, which is why I like. It used to be that you'd have to, you, you know, you you kneel behind a screen and you yeah. couldn't see the priest. I like now that the confessionals that you can sit in front of the priest mm-hmm. because you because it's like a conversation. Yeah. Now I would rather we were sitting, you know, around the kitchen table with a cup of tea, um, which you can also do. If the priest is okay with that, in fact, some of the best I've done something like that. Some before, of the best yes. confessions I've had, and I will never forget this. And I was, I was, must have been maybe thirteen or so years old. I was at a youth gathering. Wow, fifty years ago, huh? <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> and and I was just talking to this priest, and then at the end of the conversation, the priest said, "Would, would you like this to to have been a confession?" And I was like. Yeah. <laughs> and so he pulled on his purple stole yeah. and he gave me the absolution because I guess in the conversation, it had been a very frank and honest conversation, but I didn't do it thinking that I was confessing. Oh. I was just, but he was wise enough to see that there were elements of confession in our conversation. And oh, so that's the best. You do not need to I, I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing it. So I think that that's, that's what's... Um, What's important? That's the most important thing. Now, if if it's important for you that you should follow, you know, you can also bring it. In fact, some confessionals have a little prayer card that tells you kind of what to say. Yeah. Especially with the act of contrition. Act of contrition. That, you know, if you, that. you don't remember the act of yeah. contrition, you might as well just read it from the card. But I've also had priests who tell me, um, 
just you know do the active contrition that you know or and and I the one I know is the one that I remembered as a kid which is the one you teach little kids which is not the real active contrition <laughs> but it still works because it's got all the elements about about you know I'm sorry that I have sinned I'll try to be better and I ask for for help you know I mean that's kind of contrition right now yeah. not answering but I want question. to share a little bit uh, uh, yes. for me you know a confession just like a reboot of a computer Okay. Because yeah. Just like you know, when we use our computer, sometimes uh, after a while, you you become slow, becomes a lot of garbage inside. Yes. And you know, if we if we can have a process to reboot and you make it faster, and you will feel a lot happier, you know, to use the computer to use um, uh, yeah, 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 it yeah. works faster. I like that that so analogy. I I actually like that. So you know, whenever I go to confession, I will think about, oh, I'm going to reboot myself. Yeah, it's a good yeah. idea. That's actually a better because I know a lot of people talk about taking out the garbage, which is also a good <laughs> analogy. You know, you don't want to have all that garbage lying around the kitchen, so you take it out, and the garbage truck takes it. Um, but I like the rebooting because there's something about starting again. Yeah, which is, which is the grace of confession. I think is is good. I think this can encourage people to to go, you know, to go to confession and yes. Um, yes. Let's relax. I mean, you're right. Relax. Okay, good. So think about your computer needing rebooting. Don't worry about the the form. The priest knows the form, and 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 that's all you need to worry about. The priest is there to help you. Pope Francis says the confessional is not a torture chamber. It's <laughs> it, you know. So so the priest is there to help you, and the priest will trust me. The priest will forget as soon as you walk out. He already <laughs> forgot what you told them, and nothing you tell him is going to be something he hasn't heard. So um, good. So that should not worry people. Thank you. You're very welcome, Billy Chan. Thank you. I'm I'm less nervous now about this this interview <laughs> about confessions. Billy Chan, our seasoned radio host and webmaster at Salt and Light. You can follow him at B Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, from Star Wars to Superman, and a featured chat with uh, liturgical composer Bob Hurd about Laudato Si. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I love the fact that so many people claim to be atheists and that our world is a secular world and that even some people say that there's no place for Christianity in our modern world. But at the same time, Christianity is so predominant in culture. Had Jesus not been born, we probably wouldn't have so many superheroes and science fiction characters. Author Jim Papandrea argues that many of these are actually Christ figures. Think about it. Someone from another world who is the chosen one who comes to save the world? Sounds like Christ. But it could be Superman. Could be Harry Potter. This is why Jim wrote, From Star Wars to Superman, Christ figures in science fiction and superhero films. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Jim Papandrea. Jim, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's a, it's a blessing to be here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, how that. fun. And, and show. I, I th you're, you're welcome. And, and what a fun, fun book. When I, when I heard about it, I was like, I need, I need to get this book. If anything, so that I could understand what Lost was all about. But um, <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah, seriously, what, what gave you the idea for this book? Well, you know, um, I've been teaching a long time. And when I was new at it, um, the, uh, it came to my attention that some people were starting to teach courses on religion and film. Okay. And so I decided to do that, too. And so I was one of the early adopters of this idea of teaching a course on religion and film. And what I found out was that the films that resonated most with me and my students 
were the the superhero and sci-fi films where uh, there you know there's a hero character who is a savior figure, and so in the course we would analyze these savior figures and compare them to the real Christ. And ever since doing that, I've always wanted to write this book, and I'm I'm so grateful for the Sophia Institute Press to for asking. Yeah, to write it. for sure. So, is the book organized a lot like the course would have been organized? Because there's a specific format to the book. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Although the course would have uh, other kinds of films that maybe don't have hero characters, right. but the book is organized um, along sort of the types of of characters or universes. Uh, there's a there's a section on aliens incarnate, alternate universes, and then a section on time travel is incarnation, and then another section on the superhero. Okay, but you also have a bit of a can I use the word matrix uh, of like a mm-hmm. graph that you sort of have are 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 score gives scores to each character based on how Christ-like That's or not right. they are. How does That's that work? I call their orthodoxy score. Right. So that um, compare each character to the real Christ. Um, and I use the criteria that are in the Nicene Creed. So does this character okay. come down to save us? Okay. Or does this character rise up as a different kind of character? Oh, yeah. And in comparing them to the real Christ, um, the higher the orthodoxy score, the, the, the more they are a good metaphor for um, for Christ as we understand him in the church. Okay, I see. So maybe maybe this is the right time to ask you for to give us an example. Like if we took, let's say, Star Wars. I'm not sure which character there, if it's Luke or Obi-Wan or who the character is that you want to pick. How, how would that work with your orthodoxy score? Right. Well, so in, in Star Wars, I'm primarily looking at the, um, the first of the first three films that yeah. came out back in the 70s, and they're... Actually, the Christ figure that I look at is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so, um, you know, in one sense, he has certain aspects uh, that are that parallel Christ in that he sacrifices his life. um, Right. But he there's a there's a sort of a resurrection because he kind of comes back to give Luke advice. Um, But on the other hand, there are other elements that he that he doesn't have because he doesn't he doesn't come from a different world than the people he. Right, um, trying to save. He's 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 not uh, the the embodiment of divine intervention, but he's more like you know anyone through the right training could become a Jedi. Right. So in, in that case, he doesn't fit the, the the parallel to the real Christ. And so actually, as it turns out, um, Obi Wan Kenobi gets one of the lowest orthodoxy scores of all the characters that I uh, that I analyze. I'm curious actually as to why you picked Obi Wan and not Luke, because Luke is also you got to kind of question who his father is, or you know, um, uh, sorry, not Luke, Anakin, um, mm, that right, who doesn't right. have a father well, or maybe a divine father, and he could be the chosen one even though he chose the dark side, but then he gets redeemed at the end. Right. Well, I mean, I, uh, for those exact reasons, because. He's, he's more of an antichrist than a Christ figure right. for most of the story. Uh-huh, and, okay. um, and, in, and in order to be redeemed, he needs to be saved. He's not the one doing the saving. Ah, uh, right. Um, now, there is a moment in, um, uh, in one of the original films where, uh, the sort of climactic moment where uh, Luke almost sacrifices his life to try and save Darth Vader. Yes. Darth Vader, uh, you know, turns against the evil emperor and uh, and saves Luke, but gives his own life. Uh, but even there, um, it's more about Darth Vader affecting his own salvation through his sacrifice and atoning for his own sins. So he's not really the savior of others in that sense. 
Uh, of course, you could do another whole chapter on you know the, these kinds of things that we're talking about. Uh, and maybe if I write another uh, volume uh, in the, in a series uh, like this, I would do that. But in this case, I chose Obi Wan Kenobi as the most right um, obvious criteria. Yeah, of course, world. of course. Now the book, you, I mean, we're not going to go through all of it, but I mean, there's so many films here and so many characters. You've got Doctor Who, you've got Superman, you've got Terminator, you've got. Uh, uh, I mentioned Lost earlier, We've the, that whole series that maybe we don't have time to explain the whole series, but get the book if you want to understand Lost. Um, Spider-Man, right. you got Lilu from uh, The Fifth Element and other characters. It, it, which would be the character that cl- got the highest score, that would be the most Christ-like in all these uh, the films? That right. Well, use? I mean, the highest science fiction character scores would be uh, Doctor Who and, and Lilu from The Fifth Element. Really? Um, and then the highest scores among the superheroes would be Superman and Wonder Woman. Right. Um, and for various reasons that I discuss in the book, right. um, you know, they come closest to being metaphors for the actual Christ. And, uh, but, of course, I invite readers to interact with me um, on social media and tell me if they disagree with my scores and if they would uh, give a different character a higher score or whatever, because uh, you know, that's what this book is really all about is, is generating discussion Absolutely. that helps us understand the real Christ better. Absolutely. How can people reach you on social media then? Uh, well, I'm on uh, Twitter primarily at Jim Papandrea, and so uh, yeah, okay. if, they, if, they, if they need to spell my name, uh, my Amazon author page is drjimsbooks.com, okay. so they can just go there and That's find great. me that way. That's great. Okay, so I'm going to encourage people to, to go and, and, and tweet you. Um, wh- why do you think that, or rather, what does it, What's the question? What does it tell us that Christ is present, if I can say, in disguise all over popular culture? Like, why is this even important? Well, I believe, uh, of course, in the truth of the Incarnation, and I think that because we are made in the image of God, I think we're hardwired to be ready for the story of the Incarnation. And um, this is why it keeps popping up in popular culture. I think there are elements of it that pop up in, in culture even before Christ came. And uh, you can see the, the elements of the hero's journey in even ancient mythology. And yeah. I think that uh, as humans created in the image of the Trinity, I think we are just hardwired for this, to be ready to receive uh, the Word made flesh. And, mm. um, and, of course, most of the time when people write fictional stories, um, and this kind of thing bubbles up. They don't necessarily get it right, but that's what—that's why it's good for uh, for discussion. Absolutely. So we're—it's almost like we are hardwired for a good reason yeah. to, towards the divine and towards that, and, and that that this these stories reflect something that is intrinsic to all humanity. Whether absolutely, it, you know, um, that that we need salvation. That 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 someone is chosen to save us. Um, I don't know if, if you can even stretch it to the whole virgin birth, because that's also present in some of these stories. Right. Um, that's right. We, yeah, we all need salvation, and that, I think, is also something that we inherently know, even though we may not want to admit it sometimes. And then, so these stories present us with Savior figures, and the question becomes, you know, what kind of Savior are they? Yes. And are they the kind that's really going to do us any good? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, lots of... Uh, food for thought here. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for writing the book and thank you for all that you do. And uh, it's been great having you on the program. Yeah, thank you so much. 
Jim or James Papandrea is a teacher, author, speaker, and a musician. He's the associate professor of church history at Garrett Evangelical Seminary, which is on the campus of Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. He is the author of From Star Wars to Superman, Christ Figures in Science Fiction and Superhero Films, which is published by Sophia Institute Press. Here now is Bob Hurd with Every Creature is a Sister and Brother from Our our Common Home, published by Oregon Catholic Press. That was Bob Hurd with Every Creature is a Sister and Brother from Our Common Home, published by Oregon Catholic Press. Now, I hope that by now most of you have heard of Pope Francis's social encyclical about the care for our common home titled Laudato Si. This encyclical has inspired many people to do excellent environmental work and has even inspired legislation in some countries. But did you know that it has also inspired music? Yeah, that's right. Our Common Home is a new album published by Oregon Catholic Press that features songs that can be used for liturgy and prayer from well-known liturgical composers that speak to themes of care for creation, poverty, and solidarity. And one of these composers is someone you probably have heard of. Just open your parish hymnal. 
Bob Hurd. And I am delighted to welcome Bob Hurd to our program. Bob, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's great to be with you. And I really mean that because we've been, you know, music ministry, playing your music, Pan de Vida, all that, all that stuff from way back when for years. So thank you for all that work that you've done um, for over 40 years. But this idea, I think you'd say it's a little different. So how did this idea come about? Well, um, you know, this encyclical, although it quotes uh, John Paul II and also uh, Pope Benedict's Mm -hmm. wonderful statement, uh, is written in such a readable way. It's probably one of the most readable papal encyclicals ever written in down-to-earth language and sort of reaching across uh, denominational and also uh, interfaith lines. And I was just so impressed with it, and I felt the need to do what I could do. So initially, I wrote the song, Every Creature is Sister and Brother, and it's basically, you know, comes right out of the opening pages where he's talking about how for Francis, of the CC, every creature is sister and brother. Right. And I composed and actually recorded that song on a previous collection of my music. But then I decided that it would be useful to, to gather other composers uh, to compose around the themes of the encyclical. And I want to emphasize that for me, uh, the insight was this isn't just a sort of secondary theme that we're attaching to the Eucharist, but it really goes to the heart of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so um, there are songs for the gathering rite. Yeah. There are songs for the preparation, for yeah. communion and sending forth. Right. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I think at first glance, some people might think, oh, you know, like I'm doing a prayer service uh, for the environment, then I can use music. But that's not the point. These are songs that can be used in any liturgy because they're liturgically appropriate for the Eucharist, for a Eucharistic celebration. Right. The idea is, you know, you might have an ecology-themed liturgy once in a while. Yeah. That, that's not a bad thing to do. But the, the, these hymns are meant to show that on a regular basis, uh, our our singing texts and the preaching uh, that is done should include creation on a regular basis. Yeah. And in order to show that, um, you know, I recently did an essay for worship. It just came out uh-huh. on this whole question of music and laudato si and worship. Mm-hmm. And um, there's even texts in our Eucharistic prayers which speak to how all creation is included in Christ's Paschal mystery. Yeah. And so really what we're doing is we're addressing a theme that's always been there, but has often been overlooked, and now Francis has brought it forward. And so we're, we're writing music that says, you know, basically to share in the Eucharist is to share in solidarity with our brothers and sisters, absolutely. and in fact with the whole of creation. Absolutely, absolutely. And... and uh, um it's not like 
the canticle of the creatures <laughs> wasn't set to music and, you know, all creatures of our God and King, we sing it all the time at any mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and Laudato Si means praised be, and that's exactly what we're doing in, in liturgy. And so many, I think also the fact that people keep calling it an environmental encyclical, and it isn't. It's a social encyclical, and it deals with issues of poverty, solidarity, and a relationship with human humanity and all creation. So that is much mm-hmm. more uh, relevant to, I think, if we're trying to match songs to readings, for example. Um, so, so in case, yes. so, so you would tell people that they shouldn't try to struggle with, I can't use these songs because they don't work with the readings because the readings are not about saving the trees. Well, yeah, but actually, one of the things I do in this essay for worship is I show how the rites, the ritual texts, yeah. Are pertinent here. For example, what is it, you know, we have a gathering rite. Uh-huh. Which brings us renews our 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 identity in Jesus with with God, right. but also with our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Well, that also includes creation. Absolutely. Uh communion. You know, uh in communion, we are in communion with each other and through Christ, right. with each other, and to God. Right. But it's also a communion with the whole of creation. Absolutely. So the ritual texts at any Mass have a potential for uh, the theme of these themes of Laudato Si to be actualized. And then the other thing um, I talk about is how, if you, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in how prayer leadership and preaching is done, uh-huh. not just music. Yeah, in, and yeah. if you look at the season, mm-hmm. you know the ad, Advent through Epiphany is about the fact that the Eternal Word becomes one with matter. Yeah, yeah. You know the Incarnation. Yeah. The uh, Lent and Lent and the pa- and the you know Easter is about how. Jesus pours out his spirit in his death on the whole of creation to transform it. So you're, you're right that it's not as though there are specific ecological readings in the lectionary that we can match this with, right. but there are these larger thematic frameworks yeah. that sort of cry out for, you know, more, more encompassing expression. Absolutely. And you know what, that's, I was, I was thinking about that as a deacon, I get to preach and, and, and I, that's something that we need to remember. So the fact that you're, reminding me that when I preach, I'm not just talking about solidarity with humanity or communion with human beings, but also with all of creation. Um, this project I mentioned earlier, it's a collaboration. There's songs, there's there's obviously songs by you, but uh, Jamie Cortez and Curtis Steven, Janet Sullivan, Rufino Zaragoza, I mean, Ricky Manalo, they've all, how different is this project from other projects that you've worked on or how difficult was it to pick up the phone and call all these people, or, or did you have to look for music? How did that all come together? You know, it, it wasn't that difficult, uh, because, you know, all of these people have shared this concern. Uh, they certainly, if you look at the text of, you know, Michael Jonkas or Jaime Cortez or yeah. Bernadette Farrell or any of these other people, they're, they're keyed into the whole issue of social justice, yeah, and um, and so going from that to eco, what's called by people eco justice, is a very short step. Yeah, um, what I did, my process was, I I, I sent to each person uh, a kind of uh, summary of some of the themes, especially phrases that could become 
song texts. And I ask, you know, one person to write a gathering song and another person to write a preparation right. song yeah. and so on. And it just went on from there. Uh-huh. And at least in one case, in Bernadette Farrell's case, she already had a song previously published called Act Justly, uh-huh. which already addressed these themes. So she uh, she graciously allowed us to include that in this yeah. collection of mostly new songs. That's great. So there's 10 songs. You mentioned some people there. So did I. Uh, lots of names that i hoping our listeners will recognize. If they don't recognize, they should just open their hymnal and they'll recognize half of these names, half of these people. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe in closing, we have about 30 seconds, but I know, Bob, you, you've been composing music for so long. Anything new down the pipes? Are you working on a new mass or mass setting? Or what What can we look forward to from you in the next uh, little well, while? Well, I did a, a new mass setting a couple years ago, yeah. which is, you know, just getting out there now. It's called the Santa Clara Mass. Because oh, yeah. I composed it while I was overseeing liturgy at Santa Clara University. It's an English mass. Uh-huh. Um, but what I'm currently thinking about is I'm writing a book on uh, the spirituality of the liturgy for liturgical press. Okay. And um, but musically, uh, my hope is to uh, I, I've written a number of songs that could kind of come together under a contemplative mm. collection, mm-hmm. a collection for contemplative prayer and meditation. Yeah, that would be great. So that's kind of my next thing. Okay, looking forward to that, and maybe yeah. it's an excuse to get you back on the program. <laughs> um, Bob, great. thank you. Wonderful. I'd love to. Yeah, it would be. Um, great fan of your and your work. Um, thank you for, for this little gift of our common home and for spearheading that and putting it together. I'm sure our listeners will be intrigued and would want to listen, and everybody's always looking for new songs for liturgy, and all of these are great additions to people's repertoire. So thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you for the work that you're doing. You're welcome. Bob Hurd has been composing liturgical music for over 45 years, many of his songs being sung in parishes on Sundays all over. His latest project is Our Common Home, inspired by Pope Francis's Laudato Si, the encyclical, with songs for liturgy and prayer from well-known composers that speak to themes of care for creation, poverty, and solidarity. It is published by Oregon Catholic Press. And here now to take us out of the show is Jamie or Jaime Cortez with Let Us Sing As We Go from this album, Our Common Home, published by Oregon Catholic Press. Listening to Let Us Sing As We Go by 
Jaime Cortez from Our Common Home, published by Oregon Catholic Press. And that will take us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. Contact us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. You can also find me through Facebook, Deacon Pedro, or Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And I'm on Twitter at Emmy Callen, and Billy is at Bijo Chan. Thank you for being with us. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Say